Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Welcome to Dare a New Belief, where you will find light and life, love and joy, healing, faith, and hope, a place where you get to believe in what is possible for your life. Today, I have the great honor to have Dr. Ron Kaiser with me on this broadcast, and I want to tell you a little bit about Ron. He is a positive health psychologist and author. His award-winning book, Rejuvenaging, Rejuvenaging, great name, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, has been an Amazon bestseller and serves as an inspiration and guide to lifestyle management throughout the lifespan to prepare to make the senior years as healthy and active and rewarding as possible. An innovator in the field of positive psychology, Ron has developed goal achieving psychotherapy, the type P personality, and the concept of the mental health gym, which is also the name of his website. At age 81, and Ron does not look anywhere close to being 81, and he doesn't act like it when you see him in person, you would not believe he was 81. At age 81, Ron practices what he preaches working full-time as Director of Psychology at the Jefferson Headache Center, one of the world's leading headache centers, while staying physically, socially, and intellectually active. His greatest source of pride is his enthusiastic involvement in the lives of his wife, sons, and grandchildren, and the reciprocal love that he shares with them. Oh, my goodness, Ron, I have to tell you, it is such a pleasure and a gift to have you on the show with me today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nada. It's an honor to be spending this time with you. Ah, thank you. I, I just, I'm so looking forward to this. So I had the opportunity to meet Ron at the New Media Summit, oh, I don't know, sometime in the early spring of 2019, and I heard Ron speak. And I was like, oh my gosh, he has to be on my show because he's all about being positive. And this whole thing of growing into our lives and Ron being 81, not looking like he's 81, not acting like he's 81 and being positive in this, it's not mainstream America. At least I don't see that. That's not the people that I talk to. I talk to a lot of people. I talk to people in their 40s who literally are saying, well, you know, I'm aging and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what are you saying to yourself? So Ron, to have you here and this positive vibe that you have is just thrilling for me. So the first thing I want to ask you is, where do you get your positive mindset? Were you born with that? Did you cultivate that? Where did that come from? I think a lot of things went into it. I did grow up, you know, in a normal, I guess, normal middle-class home with loving parents, an older brother who uh, was a good guy, is a good guy, and we've always been friendly. So that, you know, I think that, 
I started out without feeling, you know, deprived or any basis for being particularly angry or negative. Uh, I then went into psychology, and at the time that I went into it, I think in psychology as well as medicine, the emphasis was really on disease. Mm. You know, the goal was somebody came to you with a problem. The goal was to get rid of the problem. But once you got back to neutral, my job was done. That kind of bothered me. It wasn't overly satisfying. I can't say it wasn't satisfying because, again, helping people overcome problems is, is pretty cool. But the reality is that in psychology and medicine, we seem to be behind some other aspects of uh, development, including education, including going to the gym. You know, it, you don't have to be out of shape to go to the gym to be the best person that you can. Uh, so within the past couple of decades, a new school of psychology came out called positive psychology, whose goal was not to just get us to neutral, but to flourish, to thrive, to be the best version of ourselves that we could be. And that immediately appealed to me. I can't say that I'm not a bit of an outlier in terms of the fact that if you look at the literature for aging as well as psychology in general, greater emphasis on things like worrying about dementia, what other health problems are there that we have to be concerned about. And there's less emphasis to think positively. So I'm trying to create a greater degree of awareness, both in my age range and the people who will be in my age range someday, to be positive, to do the kinds of things that enable them to have a really active lifestyle. I have the sort of advantage of seeing peers who don't lead an active lifestyle. And that can be a mi pretty miserable time of life. I'd much prefer to be doing what I'm doing than sitting around, doing nothing, clicking on the TV without even having something to watch, but <laughs> trying to figure out how I can fill my time by finding something that might be worth watching. So I think that's not how we got to be successful. I think we should be continuing the things that enabled us to be successful. Oh man, absolutely. And for me, I'm just floored because I'm going to keep going back to this. And if you want me to quit going back to this, please let me know. But I just got done talking to a friend of mine. Oh, I think he's probably 85. And if I was to compare our conversation, the conversation you and I are having right now and the conversation that I had with him, it is night and day different. Just the power in your voice and the emotion in your voice. It's just so different. And so this is so important, I think, that all of us, I'm 56, I think I'm 56, I usually forget, but I think I'm 56. And when you know that as you're maturing and growing into these greater, wonderful years, there are so many things to look forward to. And you can stay healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And when there's people like you that are forging the way, it is huge because I know that there's many things that you do that allow people my age and an older population to empower themselves to know about 
the tools that you use. Can you share some of those resources with us? The tools that you use, Ron, like whether it's your website, you have a book, and we're going to talk about your book also. But how is it you get this message out to the world so people know there's a completely different way to grow into these beautiful years that lay ahead of us? Sure. One of the things I think is important to recognize is that this isn't magic. This is science. There is good science to reflect the fact that the brain can continue to grow and change throughout the lifespan in a positive direction. We can create new neurons, new neural pathways, new connections. Uh, There was a time, in fact, when I was in graduate school and when uh, some of the people I work with were in medical school, when we didn't think that the brain developed beyond, say, age 30, that after around age 30, it could only decline. We now know that's a myth. So if we don't act on this knowledge, then that's really doing ourselves a disservice. So we know that the brain can change. We know that there are certain activities that enable the brain to change in a positive direction. As I point out in my book and whenever I talk, that the science really teaches us that if we operate on the basis of making changes and growing in three main areas, one is the health and fitness area, which includes exercise, meditation, diet, and sleep, and so on. One is the intellectual functioning area, and one is the social area. And I always tell people that you get bonus points if your social involvements include doing good for other people. Mm. If you can really concentrate on the fact that you want to be able to always be active and making changes in those three areas, then that's, you know, that's a real game changer. It's very hard to be active intellectually, socially, and health and fitness wise, and at the same time be depressed. (laughs) You know, it, it just is a really hard thing to do. So I think it all starts with the positive mindset that recognizes, hey, this is a different world. We can make changes. Um, I think another thing that I like to make people aware of is the fact that the aging process historically has been tied to old information. I believe it was 1935 when the Social Security Act was passed in this country, and the retirement age was set at 65. That's when you could start collecting Social Security, with with some exceptions. Uh, That was 1935. Two years later, I was born, and the expected lifespan for a male child born in 1937 was just under 60 years. So, so if I was expected to live for 60 years and I wouldn't, wasn't expected to retire until 65, didn't have to do much planning. But nowadays you've got people who are retiring at 55 or 60 and they may spend more years actually having this time available to them after they stop working than they did during their careers. I do think it's very important to begin at an early age and recognize health and fitness, social involvements, and intellectual functioning, and always trying to grow in those areas are really tremendous habits to acquire. Wow, absolutely. So a couple of things, holy cow. So 
first of all, the neuroplasticity with the brain, the, the brain's ability to change, right? I learned that in school also. So I, I was in the occupational therapy field, and then I went into acupuncture and oriental medicine. So I have that Western medical background. And that's what, even when I went to school, that's what I was taught. When, uh, when did I go? 199, the early 1990s, I was going to school for occupational therapy. And we were taught then that the brain doesn't change. That once you hit 25, 30, it's a done deal. It's solid. It's not going to change. And, and it wasn't until I had gone back to school for acupuncture, which was in 2009, that they were talking about neuroplasticity. And it was like, does anybody know about this? And in your opinion, Ron, how many people do you believe really truly know that the brain is not set and solid that it can change that it is plastic we can mold it and change it and grow it and that it continues to grow until the end of our lifespan how many people the percentage of the at least in the united states what what do you estimate that the percentage of the population is that knows that i don't know the exact percentage but i'm sure that fewer than half the people know that and part of it is because, again, the people who are supposed to be knowing it and leading it and encouraging it uh, got their training beforehand. Uh, one of my younger colleagues at the Headache Center, who is in his mid-40s, he didn't learn that in medical school. Now, some of the people that we see now who come through as residents and fellows have learned it. But, you know, the reality is it's kind of like some of the other uh, techniques that are new uh, in my field of psychology, for example, there are branches of psychology, including positive psychology, that people who graduated in my time never heard of. So unless you stay active and intellectually and stay up with the newest things, you don't know about it and you don't know how to spread it to other people. Most people, for example, who are seeing psychologists are not being treated by positive psychologists. And most people who are seeing physicians and psychologists and, and others who are in a position to help may at some level have recently heard things about neuroplasticity, but it wasn't a part of their integrated training to know how you use that information. So yeah, I'm sure that fewer than half the people really believe that you know, th this can be a great time of life wherever you are in the age span because the brain has the ability to make those changes. Right. Oh, man, absolutely. And it seems like to me, for example, my friend that I was talking about who's 85 years old, and when I, when I said comparing him and you in a conversation, it's night and day different. And I wonder if I said to him, do you know that your brain is changing and evolving even right now at this very moment? I'll have to ask him the question to know the true answer, but my guess will be that he would say no that it's set in stone and I am how I am and that's how it's going to be and nothing is going to change past that place. And I wonder if so many people knew the truth of what this beautiful body and brain can actually do would start looking at life completely differently because if we're thinking we're just gonna, we're gonna do this work and we're gonna grow up and we're gonna retire and, and then we're gonna start doing our living and, and sometimes that retirement, that living is, well, I'm just gonna go lay on a beach or I'm just going to 
you know, nothing against cruises, but I'm just going to take a cruise. Like, I don't have to do anything then. And it's like, no, this body still wants to grow. This brain still wants to grow. And I know that um, centurions and other people who are older, more years under their belt, say that the reason that they stay young is they don't hang around old people. And I could honestly say that to have you as a friend, if I could hang around with you, you would be a friend of mine because your attitude, that positive spark about life and staying active in all of these realms of health and fitness and intellectual and social. And it's amazing how your life is completely different than the average person who would be in their 80s knowing what it is that you know. Well, you're bringing up two points that I think are very important. Uh, one of which is, and I mentioned it in the book, I do think it's very critical to be involved with younger people. You know, and I think this is one of the challenges, for example, for people who live in active senior communities, uh, that it, it's important that you be able to branch out beyond that. And, and I think there are some real benefits to being around other active peers with whom you share history and so on. But I think you get a different perspective and different feedback about yourself when a younger person accepts you. You know, when I go to yoga class, which I'll be doing tonight, uh, the fact that I'm the older person there, the oldest person there, still is not something that's, that I see as a negative because the younger people, you know, work with me, accept me, we go to dinner. Uh, it's, you know, you get really good feedback about yourself. The second thing that I think you brought up about, you know, people lying around and so on, it's not, the, the unfortunate thing is that it's not just that you're not growing, but you are actually doing damage. Yeah. That a sedentary lifestyle is really a killer. You know, and you wind up seeing more physicians. There's a greater chance of having preventable diseases. You know, I think that what we know throughout the lifespan, you know, it used to be, for example, if you had a, a serious illness or injury, bed rest was often the, the cure that was prescribed. And then there began to be research being done uh, there's one, for example, where there were 39 trials of people in different conditions comparing people who were prescribed an activity level as well as people who were prescribed bed rest. And there was not one trial in which bed rest came out better mm. than activity. There were some where they were equal, but activity was better or equal uh, than bed rest in any case. I've had very few medical issues, but I did have a, a hip replacement. And I know in the old days, you used to go to a rehab place for a while and so on. Uh, I had the hip replaced in the morning. By the afternoon, I was walking on with a walker. The next day, I had physical therapy and I was discharged before noon. And the physical therapist came to my house to make sure that I got into an active program right away. So, I mean, if you lie around, it's, you're really committing malpractice on yourself. Not that, you know, you don't deserve to have some time off and, and you, you know, I don't go full time uh, 
in terms of activity and not resting, but that's not, that's not what I build my life around. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's that nice balance of, I believe it's a nice balance of work, play, and leisure and mm-hmm. being able to really engage in all of those, but not this straight out. And I've had so many people say that to me, I can't wait to retire. So I don't have to do anything anymore. And it's like, wow, really? I, I just don't think that that's what this life is all about. When you're talking about the hip replacement, I mean, that's completely different than how I was trained. And like I said, that was back in the early 19. 19- 1990s. I'm feeling like I'm going to say back when there was horses and buggies, you know, (laughs) back in the old Western days. (laughs) But I was listening to, I believe it was Dr. Christiane Northrup, and she was talking about even for women who have osteoporosis. And so we've been told that weight bearing is one of the best things that we can do for our bones, which is true. Weight bearing is very important, but it's not just standing. And there's so many times I think about this because I'll stand up from my desk and, you know, just bear some weight or maybe walk into the kitchen, get a glass of water and come back to the office. But it's the movement. It's the absolute movement of your body, not just the weight bearing itself. So even incorporating dancing and yoga, of course, is fantastic. But if we can incorporate more things, and I think it seems to me that there are, I don't know the population now for people who are over 65, and I think that you do, I know that I took a note when you were speaking at the New Media Summit. And I think, isn't it true that there's more people over the age of 65 than there are under five? Is that correct? In 2020, next year, it'll be the first time in the history of the world that we'll actually have more adults over the age of 65 than there will be children under the age of five. Wow. And that number is going to increase. Wow. What is the best way that you think to, to allow people to know that, oh my gosh, there is so much left in your life. This 65 is not the end of it. It's, I know I keep getting stuck on this. I, it's because with acupuncture and with the coaching work that I do, I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, well, I'm just getting older and this is to be expected. And I'm not kidding. There's people in their 40s that are saying that. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me that in, in your 40s, you're saying you're getting older. Like, what are you going to say when you're in your 90s and their eyes are huge? It's like, well, I don't even really think I'm going to make it to my 90s. It's like, oh man. So in my opinion, that thinking has to shift and change. And of course, that's the information that I share with my clients, and I love that you're here because you are a living example of being 81 and living this full, outright, wonderful, well-balanced life with the work, play, leisure. So I would love to be able to spread this information more. And what do you think the best way is to share this information, to get it out into mainstream media? Because I know... 90% of the people I talk to know nothing about this. And this is, and you can age, I don't want to say athletically, actively and full of vigor and life and stamina. How do we get that message out, Ron? I uh, like to use the term grow old early, that it's important to be able to think in terms of the fact that wherever you are in the lifespan, that you're on a continuum that's going to lead to a positive time of aging. 
Now, that doesn't always resonate with people. It's kind of like when you tell a 20 or 30-year-old that it's important to start saving for retirement. Um, some people will. A lot of people will figure, you know, that's decades away. I can worry about that later. I think it's the same thing here, that if you develop habits to recognize that these can be lifelong habits, the kind of uh, diet that we encompass, the kind of exercise plan, the what we do with our leisure time to make sure that number one, we do enjoy having fun, and number two, that some of it is, is very active. Keeping our minds active, it's not a guarantee against dementia, but it is kind of protective against the possibility of getting it. So number one is to recognize that older people are not a separate category as much as a continuation of where we are at this point. Um, I remember, and I've told people that probably the thing that got me most interested in uh, kind of focusing on the older age range, that there were a couple of things. One is I, I saw in working with headache patients that there were a lot of things that the positive psychology approach could help. But the other thing I tell people probably started with, with a colonoscopy. Um, if I don't know if you've had the, the fun experience or not, but most people who have had colonoscopies, uh, they'll tell you the colonoscopy itself isn't all that bad. It's the day before when you're doing the prep, yeah. going to the bathroom and drinking this foul-tasting liquid. Uh, for me, the worst part was uh, the day of the colonoscopy when the nurse was taking my history, and, and I think my first one was around age 60, um, take my history and she asked, what medications do you take? Mm -hmm. Not do you take any, but what medications do you take? Right. Uh, as if that's, you know, kind of just like when you're 21, you can start drinking, that when you reach like 60, you should be taking medications if, if you're a real old guy. Right. And I became, you know, much more sensitized to that. It wasn't the last time that people asked me that. I've had people ask, when did you retire? The assumption that, that you do retire at a certain point, uh, and you probably do, but there's no specific age range for it. But the fact is that I became aware of the fact that people saw adulthood, normal adulthood, kind of ending at a certain point, and then aging is, is different. And I think that one of the, the best things that you and I and others from the school can do is to, by example, but also by attitude, to encourage people to have the mindset of recognizing that, hey, somebody who's 70 or 80 or 90 is not necessarily a whole lot different than somebody who is 40 or 50 and or 30 in some cases, but that their attitudes can be a whole lot similar. So as I said, the idea of starting aging early and having a positive mindset, and then again, I keep coming back to the fact that science is very strong in recognizing that if throughout the lifespan, you're always making changes in the health and fitness area, the intellectual functioning area, and the social area, that's going to help a whole lot as you go through the aging process. 
Absolutely. And they're fun. I mean, those three categories are actually fun, right? I mean, there's so many different fun ways that we can increase our health now. I was just thinking today, I like to ride bicycles and we were riding bicycles this past weekend and there was a man that went past us and I'm not sure what it was called, what he was on. It was like a combination of an elliptical and a skateboard. And it was like, what is that? How totally fun that thing looked like it would be. Maybe a little bit dangerous. I'm not sure, but protective gear would be a good thing for me. (laughs) But it was like, people are always coming up with these new inventions of ways to be outdoors and to be active. It's almost like there's no excuse except a bad habit of, you know, I'm just going to lay around or I'm, I'm too tired to do any of that stuff because I've got that negative mindset of it's going to take energy for me to go out there and have fun. And I'm speaking that because there was a time in my life when I was in my 30s, well, maybe my early 40s, when I actually caught myself saying that. It was a beautiful summer day and it was like, go ride your bike. I said to myself and I was like, oh, that's going to take energy. And I actually had found myself getting very complacent and it would be easier just to sit and watch TV or read a book than to actually get up and pick up a bicycle and go for a ride. It's like crazy. So all of these new fun inventions that people are designing and coming up with to keep us active. Of course, not all of them have to be as aggressive as this elliptical thing, but There's so many wonderful ways that that we can stay active. And intellectual, my gosh, there's every way imaginable now that we can stretch our mind. Everything that you can find on the internet, it's unbelievable. The resources that we have at our fingertips, at the library, the things that the public libraries are offering now, events and speakers and the 3D experience where you can literally experience different countries and environments by just putting on that 3D goggle set and the socialization. My gosh, you have no idea who you're going to meet and how that can spur on something else wonderful and exciting in your life. I just feel life beckoning, just saying, please get up and join us. Be part of this great community of life that we have. Ron, I want to circle back. This kind of gets completely off the subject a little bit, but I was stunned by this when you said back in 1935 that the Social Security Act had started and retirement was at age 65. But the expected lifespan at that time was only 60 years old. Is that right? For a male child born that year, I think it was higher for women. But I, I, I'm pretty sure we were the last age range that was under 60. It was like 59.9 years. And then, uh, but for the next many years, several years, uh, you know, early 60s, uh, the lifespan was shorter than the anticipated retirement age, which is one of the reasons, I guess, that uh, people didn't worry about Social Security running out in those days. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the reality is that, yeah, the, the, the mindset that many people grew up with was the fact that, hey, if we make it to retirement age, we're probably not going to make it that much beyond it. So, you know, if we enjoy fishing or rocking or something like that, we can get a little bit of that out of the way as, as a reward for the, how hard we work. But to be doing that for another 15, 20, 30 years is uh, probably not the most fun way to spend your life and certainly not the healthiest way. 
Right. Absolutely. And it makes sense to me now why people have that mindset, because it seems to me like it's just passed down that I had no idea about that, that the expected lifespan was only 60 years old for a male. And if retirement, if the the retirement age then for social security was 65, then why am I even looking forward to the aging process? As soon as I'm done working, I'm not going to be around that long anyways. I'm just going to, you know, it's pretty much time for me just to kick the bucket and be done with it. So I wonder, because things just get passed down, whether we verbalize it, uh, we act it out. I think generationally, we pick it up and we just expect it to be that way. And that that there has to be a shift in people's thinking and knowing that this is where that idea originated from and that whole entire thing can shift and change and you can start looking at aging completely different. And then it makes sense when you're 30 years old to say, well, if I'm going to live to 90 or a hundred or 110, and I see people doing that because more and more people are doing that. They're, they're the evidence they're proving to us that it's happening and they're living these wonderful full lives. Then Maybe I do want to start doing my life a little bit differently, knowing that I'm going to be the one getting there also. And then I can be this great role model for my children and grandchildren and whoever else we, of our loved ones. Yeah, role modeling is a very powerful teacher. And I think that that's contributed to some of the negative stuff that's gone on until this point is if your role model was uh, that an old person is somebody who lies around, uh, has uh, has a schedule that includes going to the cardiologist Monday, the gastroenterologist Tuesday, the internist Wednesday, and so on, um, then, yeah, the expectation is going to be like that. On the other hand, you know, I hope and think that uh, both my children, my grandchildren, see our involvement in their lives a lot differently. And hopefully, you know, aside from, from just things that, that they'll learn about the aging process intellectually, hopefully the role modeling that they observe will be a much more positive thing, to be able to, to travel to different places with them, to be able to get to their gym meets and hockey games and so on. Um, that's part of their history now. Right, right, absolutely. You know, and it makes me think about my dad. He was 94 when he passed away, and it was just a couple of unfortunate incidents um, because we all, everybody in the family said he would have lived to, to at least hit 100. We just knew it. He was so strong and so healthy, but he had a, a bad fall um, and, and ended up literally breaking his neck. And it wasn't the broken neck that hurt him. It was the surgery. The mm -hmm. surgery messed him up and he just never really recovered from that surgery. But he was in his 80s and he was putting on the old school hard frame backpacks that he had for, oh my God, back when he was probably in his 30s or 40s. And he would weigh that sucker down 80 pounds worth of food and, and take off hiking. You know, I mean, it, he was incredible. And, and I would look at him in awe, just like, how do you do that? Like, I couldn't imagine doing that. And of course, I was probably my early 20s at that time. And I guess I couldn't have been in my early 20s, 30s. And he was just like, you just do it. Like, I love it. I love being, that was the thing that he loved. And he had said all of the time, if I ever get to a point in my life that I'm just sitting in a chair and I'm rocking, then somebody walk me out into the great 
outdoors and I will sit there and wait for the great spirit to come and take me away <laughs> because it was not how he wanted his life to end. And, you know, like I said, you know, through events, it didn't turn out exactly how he wanted it to be. But I think of that every time I feel like being lazy, because there's a difference between leisure and lazy. And, and I'll have a lazy moment that will come up. And it was just like, he'll pop into my head. It's like, oh my God, you're kidding. You, you can't piddle this away. This is your, your one precious life. Do something with it. And even if that means you're just outside, just taking in all of nature and, and standing and not sitting in a chair with a television on where you are completely brain dead. You're not even paying attention to what that TV is doing. So I know for me, I'm blessed to have that kind of a role model in my, and my mother also to have those kinds of role models to remind me that you can live long and healthy lives. And there's something paradoxical about the thing too. Uh, when you were in your 20s and 30s, you know, if you were establishing your career, child rearing, things of this nature, you actually may have been more physically drained than he was at age 85, who <laughs> presumably was retired, had time on his hands, could pace himself and stuff like that, which is, again, as I said, it's paradoxical, but we expect people to be very active at a time when the physical and emotional demands on them are greater because of career building, child rearing, adjusting to the pluses and minuses of marriage and things of that nature. Whereas, you know, in the older age ranges, if you've got your health, very often you don't have as many things draining you. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, man. Ron, I could talk to you all day long. I just love this. I have one question. We're going to start circling this around and start bringing it in for a landing. But I meant to ask you this at the very beginning, and, and I got off on a different tangent. But positive psychology, I have to tell you, I have never heard of that. And when I was reading your bio about positive psychology, I thought that was something you just called it for the work that you did. I didn't know that that's actually a branch of psychology. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. My specific take on it is goal-achieving psychology or goal-achieving psychotherapy. But there are practitioners of positive psychology. There's a professional organization for it. Uh, again, I think most people still like focusing on disease, but there, there are many people out there that practice it, and I always encourage people to, to seek out a positive psychologist if they're going to be thinking about therapy. So can you tell us just briefly what, I don't even know if it could be brief, but what would be the biggest difference between what I would call just traditional psychology versus positive psychology? Because if I need to go talk to a psychologist, I'm absolutely searching out positive. I mean, just the word, that's where I want to be. But what would be the biggest difference between the two? Is it the, the disease focus? Uh, I'd say the disease focus and kind of an acceptance of the fact that therapy can be used for wallowing. Yeah. In other words, if you go to a therapist and he or she asks you, well, how did things go this week? And then you go over how things went this week. And then next week you go in and they ask how things go this week and go through your list of complaints and so on. With positive psychology, you almost always have some goals that you're working toward. Again, I, I, it's not an act 
an accident that I call my website the mental health gym because I equate it to say uh, what I do as kind of the equivalent of a trainer at a gym. You set specific goals and no matter how you became overweight or how you got out of shape or whatever it may be, that's stuff we have to address because it'll be some habit changing things and so on. But from day one of the gym, we start working on exercises to move you forward. So that the active and active approach is important. Also in positive psychology, there are certain exercises that are kind of typical that build positive connections in the brain. For example, I don't know if you've heard of the, the what went well exercise, which is, is sometimes called the three wishes. At the end of the day, you begin to write down three things that went well for you during the day. And they don't have to be big things. You know, if I drove a hundred miles and no car hit me, that went well. We don't normally think to appreciate that, but, but that went well. When I turned on the shower this morning, you know, the, the water temperature was what I wanted it to be. Right. That went well. You know, in other words, there's so many things that go well during the course of the day that unless we start thinking about it, then we're going to focus on those pains, those slights that somebody may have given to you, those negative kinds of experiences. So, as its name implies, positive psychology has a focus on positive stuff. Wow. I have to tell you, this part, I love this. Well, I love all of this so much, but this resonated so much because we talk often about gratitude and being in a place of gratitude. And, and when you can be grateful, how everything in your life just changes because you're focusing on the things that you are grateful for. But being able to word it this way, what went well, because I know for myself and for clients that I work with, sometimes when you are really struggling through some kind of a challenge, when you're trying to stay in a place of gratitude, it's difficult and it almost feels like it's forced. But if you can say to yourself, what went well? So as you're navigating this challenge and you're saying to yourself, well, what is going well right now? Well, I'm still trying. Or I do have the car to get in to drive to work or wherever you're going to. And when you got there, it's like, yeah, what went really well? I didn't fight traffic or I didn't get into an accident. This is huge. I love this. I love this. What went well? And what a wonderful thing to do at the end of the night too. What are three things that went really well for me today? Which I think is equivalent to gratitude, but it's fabulous. I love that. In, in my book, I identify seven keys to rejuvenating and 71 specific behaviors that people can utilize. And one of the keys, uh, actually, as I said, mindset, positive mindset is the first one. But the final one is appreciate the good that permeates your life. Uh, and, you know, people, uh, there, there's a neuropsychologist, Rick Hansen, who's a friend of mine, who said we're like kind of Teflon for taking in the good, but like Velcro for noticing the bad. So we're much more <laughs> apt to notice the bad unless we, you know, make an effort to notice the good. And once we notice it, it becomes pretty easy. It's a little bit, I compare it to somebody who starts to eat in a healthy way. 
once that becomes part of your life, it's a lot easier to say no to something that's not very good for you. Right. You know, it's just part of your life. You don't necessarily think about it that much. You just do it. And I think it's the same thing if, you're, if you acquire a positive outlook and appreciate the good that permeates your life. If you haven't been doing it and then you start, you might be surprised at how much good there is. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing when you start looking for the good instead of looking for the bad and everything that is wrong and you just shift that focus and you start looking for the good. It's like, oh my gosh, it's all around us. We're surrounded by it, but we have to look for it. We can't just assume it's going to drop in our lap, although sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. But I just, I love this. And one of the things I love too is I want to talk about your book, Rejuvenaging, but also you have an e-book that is called What Can Go Right? The Thinking Person's Guide to Making Good Things Happen. If I knew nothing else about you, but that you have an ebook that was called What Can Go Right? I would have called you up in a heartbeat to say, Ron, would you be on my show? Because that is just not everyday thinking, at least not the people that I run across are saying, you know, what can go right today? I worked at a place and there was a spiritual director and wonderful, wonderful woman. I really enjoyed her company. But I had said to her one day, and I don't know, it was probably 9 a.m., 10 a.m. And I said, you know, how's everything? How are you doing today? And she said, oh, so far, so good. Let's see what the day brings. And I thought, oh, like, it just felt like victim state. It's so mm -hmm. far, so good. Like I'm waiting for that other shoe to fall, which is a weird expression that really, um, that's another conversation. But it's like, that's what you're looking for. You're waiting. And this was the spiritual director. And I thought, my goodness, what kind of information is being shared with other people when this is her focus that, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. It's like, oh, I just love this. What if everything did go right? What if everything wonderful happened today? And it's like, oh, everything today so far has been so fantastic. And I'm looking forward to everything else being just as beautiful as it was these first few hours of my morning. Yeah, I actually uh, came upon the title, and, and I'm working on a revision for it because it initially was published in 2011. But in working with patients, over time, I just evolved that as one of the questions I ask when we're dealing with a challenge. And I ask, you know, what could go right? And it just floored a lot of patients. I mean, some would say, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, or I can tell you what can go wrong. And I've had a patient or two that, that thought I asked the question wrong. Do you mean what can go wrong? I mean, the notion of looking at a challenge and then thinking about what can go right didn't appear to him. And, you know, it doesn't guarantee that things will go right. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't think in terms of are there things that we can try to prevent that could go wrong. But we got to at least consider the possibility that it's going to work. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. And I find it totally amazing that some of your patients actually thought that you stated the question wrong. That's not what you meant to say. You're wanting me to look for what's wrong. It's like, yep. no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Ron, I'm telling you, I have completely loved and enjoyed our time together. And I've taken away, I've gotten so many notes written down here. I have to go back and listen so I can 
pick up everything else that you had said, because I know you have wisdom galore in this conversation. I also want people to know more about your book, Rejuvenating. And if you can tell us a little bit about that and where it is that they can pick that book up. Well, as I indicated, there are 70, 71 specific behaviors. So there's a, it's a practical book. I kind of trademarked the name Rejuvenating. It cost me something with a lawyer and all that. But uh, I've trademarked it and defined it as the art and science of growing older with enthusiasm, which is kind of the goal, you know, and, and it's designed for virtually every age, but specifically for people as, as they go into the second half century of their lives. Again, I identify seven keys, including the mindset and rejuvenating the intellect, uh, healthy eating, owning your body, uh, being a social being, doing good, and appreciating the good that permeates your life. It's kind of read as a guidebook. I've been very happy with the reception. It's been among the Amazon bestsellers in its category. It's also uh, gotten a couple of awards, which I'm proud of, from places that evaluate books. It is uh, available in three formats. There is the paperback uh, book. There is an ebook version who, for those who don't want to carry around many more books, you can get the ebook. And it's also uh, available as an audio book from Audible. So all of that, all formats are available on Amazon. I hope that you'll, that some listeners will be moved to look at it. And I appreciate any feedback that people can give either uh, by their summaries on, on Amazon and their opinions, and also by contacting me at ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. Okay, awesome. And that information, listeners, will be on the show notes. So if you didn't catch the name of the book, because it's not rejuvenating, it, it's a great name. It's like rejuvenate and aging put together. Rejuvenating is the name of the book. Well, his website and how to contact Ron will all be in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. I have not had the opportunity to read this book yet, but I am thrilled. And as you were speaking, Ron, I could hear me saying, I could just see myself going through and picking out one of these, how many, 70, is it 71? 71? Okay. I can just see me going through and picking out one of those 71s and just doing a podcast on that because this is so... Ron, would you be willing to come back on this podcast again? Because I have so many more things I want to talk to you about. I'm flooded with questions that I want to ask you, and I know we're just going to run out of time. I would love to talk to you again because I think people need to know that we need to start shifting how we're thinking, that aging is a beautiful thing, and that we really get to stay active socially, intellectually, and with our health and doing these wonderful activities that bring us life, that we're not... We're not getting done with our work just to kind of slide into the grave. That's not what this is about. And I just, I love your work. I love your attitude. I love what you do. I love the fact that you're not talking about this, but you are living this. You live this, breathe this, you are this. And it's, um, you are rejuvenating and such an honor to be able to have this, this time with you. I am so grateful 
for your wisdom and everything you shared with me and with the listeners. Well, thank you for having me, Nada. I uh, hope I've been able to convey, you know, my passion about this and my belief that it's it's really, really important for people to develop in an active and positive way. And I really appreciate your support for these concepts. Oh, absolutely. Abs- I mean, that it's exactly... It's just exactly what I think the world needs. It's right. It, it's being able to believe in what is possible for your life. You can get rid of these old limiting beliefs of what you thought growing in the second century. When you said the second century, I'm thinking, crap, that's me. I'm in the second century. Wow. But really, like changes that I have to make, and I think that I'm pretty on top of stuff, but I'm realizing there are so many different things that I can be doing to become everything that I want to become as I'm growing into the best version of myself and maximizing my potential. And that was one of the things that you said when I had met you, to maximize your potential, to be the you that you can be. And you are walking, living, breathing proof of that, Ron. And I am so grateful just so grateful for your time. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to be able to do this again and dive in a little bit deeper than what we did today. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Ron. And like I said, um, all of Ron's information will be available on the show notes. All you have to do is go to Dare A New Belief on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or you can just go straight to nadahogan.com and all of the podcasts will be listed right there. So Ron, until I talk with you again, have a wonderful rest of your week. Have a rejuvenating kind of rest of your week. And thank you again. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Until next week. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.